This is Valor Radio. Valor, strength of mind and spirit that enables a person to face danger with resolve and determination in battle or in any other situation. Valor, like that displayed by veterans of every branch of the military throughout our community. This radio show, Valor Radio, salutes all of you who have raised your right hands to volunteer to protect and preserve our unique American way of life. Thanks for joining us and your brothers and sisters in uniform. When liberty's in jeopardy, I will always do what's right. I'm out here on the front lines, sleeping peace tonight, American soldier. Now, Valor Radio. Well, soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, coasties, and guardians, welcome on in here to the big tent of Valor Radio. Tucker's gone. Don Lemon is gone. I'm pretty upset about that. But the colonel and the captain are definitely here today. That's right, Robert. Good morning, Steve. How are you today? Hi, how you doing, Bob? How you doing, Paul? Uh, boy, oh boy, what I'll tell week, you. Huh? Yeah, it is it's a heck of a week. To be one, huh? Yeah. Um, my phone hasn't... Our, hasn't been ringing, Bob. Obviously, you haven't I don't been know why, promoting. I, I, I don't understand either. I I made sure that my ringer was up overnight in case, you know, Fox needs a little help. But uh, uh, so the rumor is that Tucker was going to do a was going to do a show Monday night on the Dominion lawsuit. <laughs> and, the Mur- and the Murdochs found out about it. Oh, my so, God, really? So my take on it, I'll tell you what, I think there was some part of the settlement was they had a sac- have a couple sacrificial lambs, and and it's not public, but I bet you that I, my sense is it's too close in proximity to the settlements, um, and there must have been some backroom deal made that some people had to go, and he wasn't the only one, obviously. Um, Apparently, uh, the the rub started with that. January sixth uh, coverage. Now they're Tucker. saying, yeah. Now they're saying they, also they, they, him they showing like showing the video of January sixth was the nail, in final the nail in his yeah. coffin. Yeah, they did. I, Rupert and was it Lachlan? Is that who the other one is? Yeah, didn't, didn't like that. Hey, we have to go to break early here because uh, we have an interview segment coming up, right, Colonel? That's right. That's right. You know, m- most of us. Uh, Slept in a very comfortable bed last night, and yesterday we might have gone to bed tired. Um, but we're in a few minutes here. We're going to be talking, God willing, if we can make the connection uh, with uh, retired RPD uh, Rochester Police Department Sergeant Brett Soberski. He is uh, somewhere in Florida, Georgia, right now. He's off on a uh, trek, fifty days. He's going to run twelve hundred and forty-seven miles in honor of. Uh, Officer uh, Tony Mazurkowitz, who died last year at the hands of criminals in the city of Rochester. And he's it's a fundraiser, and he's going to be running 1,247 miles. Started This is day three. He already ran two marathons, on, one on day one, one on day two, and he's going to do that every day until June 11th. And he'll arrive here in Rochester. So we're going to hopefully take a break here. And when we come back, we'll have him online. And uh, we'll see how he's doing early in his journey. I got the feeling I'm a falling. Oh, 
because of you. Your go-to for standard of specialized business insurance coverage, MGM Associates of Rochester, now serving the region and beyond in New York. Since 1984, MGM has provided leading coverage from a wide range of carriers, not only home, condo, boat, motorcycle, and auto, but also specialized policies for all types of businesses, including nonprofits and law firms, livery insurance, property insurance, and bonds for all needs. MGM Associates of Rochester provides auto, workers' comp, health care, and liability coverage. Choose from virtual appointments or good old in-office, in-person consults by appointment at our Penfield office. Five-time consecutive winner of the National Best Practices Award, MGM is proud to support veterans groups. For your personal business, home, or professional insurance needs, meet the experienced staff at MGM Associates. Locally and proudly owned at 1745 Penfield Road in Penfield, 381-7008 or mgminsure.com. An associate of Ontario Insurance Company, 28 Canandaigua Street in Shortsville. What a crazy couple of years we've had. Everybody's fighting. Inflation is causing all kinds of havoc. We have people on television and on radio telling us how much we should hate other people because they think differently than you do. We all need to sit back for a moment and just take a breath. Remember what we like about others, not what makes us mad about them. Most times I feel like we all want what's best for our families in America, but we just have different ways of going about it. My mother had a way of just taking a simple pleasure, like taking a bite from her favorite sandwich and saying, ah, this is good. For me, the Orioles may have a winning season. This is good. Oh, if you feel you want to talk about your current investment planning, estate planning, or life insurance, we're right in Penfield at A.M. Ginsburg Advisory Group, 585-377-4720. I feel better already. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc., AM Ginsburg Advisory Group, and Securities America companies are separate entities. Join Abate Monroe County, American bikers aimed toward education and help adult bikers ride free and safe. Check out our meetings on the third Friday monthly at Wise Guys Diner and Catering, 2811 Dewey Avenue. Join Abate for less than 50 cents a week. Google Abate Monroe County on the web. Hey, how about becoming a member of the National Warplane Museum in Geneseo, New York? Help us preserve history. Plus, you get some pretty fancy benefits. Visit us online, nationalwarplanemuseum.com. From Niagara Falls to the Adirondacks and from Canada to Pennsylvania, you're listening to Valor Radio. Well, we are back in here with Valor Radio, a special edition today with a special conversation. I'm going to let the, the colonel take it from here and set this all up. Thanks, Robert. And as we were talking about before the break, uh, we've connected uh, with uh, retired uh, Rochester Police uh, Department Sergeant Brett uh, Sobieroski. He is somewhere in... Brett, where are you? Um, I'm in the middle of nowhere, like in Florida. Uh, today, when I finish today, I'll be in Callahan, Florida, which is just west of Jacksonville. Fabulous. So, uh, as we talked about in the last segment, uh, Brett is on a journey, uh, a 50-day, 1,247-mile journey from Florida to uh, Rochester, New York, to honor his friend, his co-worker, um, Officer Anthony uh, Mazurkowitz, who uh, who died last year at the hands of criminals in the city of Rochester. And, uh, Brett, uh, folks, I've got to tell you, um, I've known Brett for a few years now. My first contact... Probably, I'm sure we crossed paths numerous times before, but uh, I think uh, we talked. First time we really got to talk is when you were dipping your toes in the 
in politics in Orleans County and you were running for sheriff. Um, and obviously you didn't get the results you wanted there. But you know what? I think uh, um, God always has a plan for us. And uh, um, just uh, you are where you are today uh, because of the opportunities that came out of uh, probably not sitting in the sheriff's office in Orleans County every day. So uh, you're in day three. <clears throat> You've already run uh, two marathons. How are you feeling first? Surprisingly, I, I feel pretty good. Um, yesterday when I woke up to, after the first marathon, you know, that was going to be the big unknown. Like, when my feet hit the floor, how was I going to feel? And I actually ran just the second marathon about four minutes faster than the first day. And, you know, I'm not really taxing. I, I'm saying, like, I'm not really going hard. Um, you know, I'm not have, I don't have to manage a lot of discomfort. Uh, just, you know, my... my this morning when I woke up, my hips are a little sore maybe, my feet just a little bit. But I'm sure once I get out there and strap the shoes on today, uh, you know, we'll get back in that rhythm. And, and after that, I'm really happy with, with how I'm feeling this far. So uh, we know that you you have proven yourself to be an Ironman. You've done uh, a Mojave Desert run that was over 130 miles. Uh, you've done the rim-to-rim and back run in the Grand Canyon. Uh uh, we know you swam across Lake Ontario, and we just know that you're constantly out there. Um, but this is—is is this the toughest thing that you've ever signed on for? It certainly will be, you know, eventually. Because just trying to grind out 48 marathons, you know, in a row is—I'm sure, you know, eventually I'm gonna—I'm gonna hit some type of wall that I'm really gonna have to, you know, mentally push through. Um, but I, I'm, you know, and part of me is hoping that this is the toughest thing I did because it, it should be for, you know, honoring Tony and his sacrifice. And, you know, you know, so his family knows that they have support of a community behind him. So, I, you know, deep down, I, I, I truly hope this is the hardest thing I do. So uh, let's let's talk about Tony for a minute here. Obviously, that's your motivation. You go to bed at night, you wake up in the morning. He's got to be in your thoughts. Um, I know. Uh, folks that I work with uh, at the sheriff's office that are friends of yours also, uh, this had a dramatic effect, as did you know the death of Daryl Pearson and um, uh, and and what happened to Denny uh, surviving, but uh, injured awful you know injured life altering injuries. Um, what do you think about while you're running? First of all, let, let let's talk about that. What, what's going through your mind for those four and a half hours that you're out there running? Um, you know, and a lot of it is Tony and remembering, like, all the Tony, I call them Tony-isms, because Tony was a very unique uh, cop. He is, you know, he, he spoke the truth. He spoke his mind. It didn't matter if you were an officer working with him or if you were the chief of police. He would tell you exactly the way it is, good, bad, or indifferent. And everyone respected him for that. So I, I think of Tony, you know, I knew him since he came on the job. Uh, we worked in adjoining sections originally. And before I left for this journey, I had never met his wife, Lynn. And my girlfriend and I sat down and had, you know, lunch with Lynn. And it was um, it was happy and it was sad. There was joy. There was, there was tears. It was, you know, we sat there for a couple hours. And I, so I think of Lynn a lot and, um, you know, how this must be for her where, you know, their kids are all grown. So it's, it's her and Tony. And he's a year from retiring, less than a year from retiring. And now she wakes up every day, you know, goes to bed every night, and that house is quiet. 
you know, no Tony there. So, like, I think about, I think, I think the biggest thing I think about is, is June 11th when I finish down at the Halls of Justice at the Police Fallen Police Memorial because, in my heart of hearts, I feel like like Tony's death was kind of was brushed over by the community, by the media, that it died within a news cycle. Um, that maybe maybe somehow people began to accept cops dying in Rochester because it didn't happen that way when Daryl was killed, Daryl Pearson. Um, and then when Daryl Pearson died, you could turn you couldn't turn your head without seeing a fundraiser for that family, for some type of remembrance uh, thing for that family. And now with with Tony, I didn't see that, and it's I'm not saying it's, it's not fair, but the, the way it happened really bothered me. And I, and I want to make sure that Lynn knows that the community doesn't feel that way necessarily and that we will always remember her. And, and her biggest fear she confided in me is that people forget about Tony, that people forget about his sacrifice. And I assured her that that will never happen. And I think June 11th, I keep thinking about running into the halls of justice with 500 people in tow and maybe another couple hundred people there who can't run because of physical ailments. And showing her, because she's going to be there with the entire family, his parents, their kids, their grandkids, um, his siblings, and just showing them, oh, this is this is what we think about Tony and how we still remember Tony. I, you're, you, you know, you hit a nail on the head. Um, we uh, we go through uh, cycles in in society, and um, right now. I think every opportunity we can to uh, honor the service of law enforcement and 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 to bring to light the the challenges, the day to day challenges of work, the, the effects on families, on individuals, on children, um, and and when someone makes this ultimate sacrifice, uh, that there's no there's no recovering from it. You can live with it and and move on, but uh, and and so you doing this, I, like I said, I'm just I'm. Usually not at a loss for words, uh, but I'm just I'm, I'm proud to say that I know you and uh, and and we're just we're going to follow you every every step of the way here. Um, what you're doing, obviously, this when I first heard you were going to do this, all I could imagine um, was I was thinking about Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> and you know you, what you're doing is gumpian in nature. I mean, really, I, I know that that was fiction, and you're doing it for real. So there really isn't. It's not a fair comparison, but uh, it, it's all I've been thinking about since you know I first heard that you were going to do this. And um, I, I know it's got to be. I know there's going to be days that are going to be lonely um, as you're out there running. Uh, you know, you've done some longer runs continuous runs what you did in Mojave Desert what what's what what do you have to do psychologically every morning and and uh where do you where do you see your challenges uh I mean is it the 21 mile mark every day like they you know they talk about with marathons or is there just some way that you're able to balance and keep focused on what you're doing um so you know I'm trying to fall into a good routine and when I wake up I'm looking at it right now I'm in, I'm in the camper, and I have a picture of Tony I take to the wall. So it's the first thing I, I see when I, my eyes open in the morning. And I'm like, I never, you know, because there's going to be times when he looks down upon me, you know, and I've, I felt someone looking down upon me. I couldn't say it was him at all the other day. But I just don't want him never to see me weak. 
like during this whole thing. You know, I want him to be proud. So when I get up in the morning, um, you know, it's a it's a routine. Get my hydration, get some food in my system, and then when when I start off that run, these last two days, you know, I'm I'm a little bit sad, you know, thinking about him him not being here because it took me a, it took a while, you know, it took weeks or a month for beef to sink in that. It was just unbelievable to me that, that Tony was killed. And for a lot of people, it's the same way. Just when we heard a, 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 the RPD cop was you know, murdered in the line of duty, I, no one would believe it was him for some reason. So, you know, the first few miles are free, right? Because, you know, the sad finally turns in. You're not trying to, I, that emotion will go away. Then it turns into pride and remembrance. And in my mind, I just kind of break it down. I think about the where I run in back home, and so when I get to like a fourteen mile mark and I have twelve miles to go, I'm like, well, if I ran this route at home and this other route at home, I'll be done. So it doesn't seem that Herculean. And but but like you said, like every day when I get to that that eighteen mile mark and I know I have eight to go, um, it you know that's where I I have to start concentrating and and really managing some discomfort. Usually the discomforts around my knees. Um, like it would come and go. I have a little bit around my left ankle and my hips. And then when I get to the 23 mile mark, I get some 5k left. I get to 5k, you know, I only have, I have 30 minutes to go 31 minutes. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I can roll around and burning coals and embers for 31 minutes. If I had to. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, I can withstand, I can withstand you know, anyone's fury. In 31 minutes, and I know at the at the last mile mark, uh, my son and my buddy Tom, who's been with me, um, they give me the flag. So I have I carry for the last mile. I carry an American flag, and underneath it is a smaller tacky flag. So when I get that for the last mile, that's that's nothing, man. He put that flag on my shoulder, you know, carrying it on a pole. Like that last mile, simple. It's probably my fastest mile, and uh. And what it really comes down to after that, when I finish, is starting the recovery process like immediately. So I have these ice packs that strap around my knees. As soon as I'm done running, I strap those on. The other day on the ride, the other day on the ride after, you know, I was I was wedging myself in the backseat of the car with uh, ice packs on my hips because my hips were a little bit sore. Start eating good food, a lot of protein, a ton of water when I get done. And uh, just really start that recovery process, so the next day I feel good. And I got to see, like my son, my son's with me the first uh, five marathons. My oldest boy, who's a Rochester, you know, RPD cop, been a police officer there for eight years now. And you know, he rides a bike next to me for the 26 miles, and I'm like, I need a Gatorade, Zach. And he jumps off and goes in the saddlebags of the of the bicycle, gets my Gatorade or water or food, and it's been awesome. That's yeah. just just. Uh... Just unbelievable. We know, you know, we we know you still have uh, the majority of your uh, your trek in front of you. I'm, I'm sitting here with Bob Savage and and, and Captain Steve Momano. Uh, Steve, you wanted to? Yeah, I just want to ask you. You're in Jacksonville area. I um I never had a chance to see that part of the Navy, but uh, I just thought of you running in that environment. I understand it's really muggy in that area. Is that true? <laughs> it's funny you say that because the first day. On Sunday, it didn't feel muggy, but it was it was clear skies. You couldn't see. There was not a cloud in uh-huh. sight, and the sun started feeling. You know, it was it was beating down a little bit. And at the end, I was like, well, "I want to get out of here." <laughs> and then yesterday, 
there wasn't, it was cloudy the entire day, and it was muggy as heck. My, I looked at my son, I'm like, do you feel that? Do you feel that humidity? It's just oppressive, and it was yesterday. Like, I definitely... It was a humid, humid day. You could cut it with That's a knife what I yesterday. always was told about Mayport, uh, Jacksonville area. Is uh, you just stand there some days and just sweat just pours right off of you. It w- it was exactly like that. And um, the other thing unique down here is the snakes. So the first day, <laughs> you see this giant snake on the road, and I have a buddy who's a retired, uh, no a way. retired probation guy. It was it was giant. And so we took a picture of it, and he's like, "Oh, that's a." That's, he goes, that's a very um, protected snake. It's a this, that, and the other. He goes, I've been looking for them versus out snakes. He goes, I've been looking for them my whole life. I've never found one. And I'm like, well, dude, go down this country road in the middle of nowhere, and I'll point out where that dude lives. <laughs> but, okay, I'm, running down, I'm running down the sidewalk by Home Depot, and my son screams, like, Dad, watch out! And I, I don't know, like, I was in the middle of, of like, no thought. And I thought maybe, like, a car had, like, jumped up onto the sidewalk or so I like run into the bushes and I'm all banged up and I'm like, what's, what's, what's that? He's like, he goes, look down. And there's this snake on the sidewalk and it was dead. We didn't know it was dead. And that ends up being a water moccasin, like one that would have been. Oh, jeez. And oh. I was like, oh. And I, so I sent a picture and Zach, my son goes, I think that's a poisonous one. It's got like a triangular head. I thought I saw some things in his mouth. And sure, it sure was on the uh, cat mouth. Oh, well, you know, I the conditions you're going to, while you're down south, I lived in Louisiana for four years, so I appreciate the humidity and, and every every creature that uh, crawls on this earth, you'll, you'll probably come across in your run. But uh, just, uh, I guess, give you another thought about being aware of your surroundings um, and uh, not losing yourself and whatever you're thinking about, but that's good that your son's <laughs> keeping an eye on you. So, so like, why don't so, you just yell snake next time? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You just got to work out your comms. That's all. That's all you're that's signaling. Right. Um, Brett, so you're so doing this. communication. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So uh, you, you, you want to raise some money with this endeavor. And you've set a goal of $100,000. You've got a ways to go with that. Um, I will tell you, folks, uh, we've got, if you go to the Valor Radio uh, page, we've posted it at the very top at the Valor Radio page on Facebook. Um, Also on my Twitter account, uh, Paul Simonelli uh, on Twitter. You'll find it. And we're going to just keep promoting the the heck out of this. And uh, I know you've got got to stay focused on what you're doing, but uh, we're you know, we're going to continue to report as we see things show up on Facebook. And um, people can also go to the Locust Club website, right, if if they want. There's a link there for this. Locustclub.org. Right. You can donate there. You can go to uh, yellowjacketracing.com, yellowjacketracing.com, and you'll find it in the, in the current races. And there you can do one-stop shopping. You can... Donate. You can sign up to run the last three miles with me, which is going to be a super casual pace. It's not a race. It's a remembrance run where we're going to finish down at the Halls of Justice on June 11th. And you can also buy an uh, eight states for Madison t-shirt on the page also. Well, I, I, I did make a purchase on there last night, uh, two, two t-shirts. Uh, I know uh, the Blue Knights are uh, 
hoping to be around that day. And uh, at least two of us are going to be wearing uh, T-shirts in honor of this. And we look forward to uh, June 11th. And uh, as we finish up here, I just want to let you know we're going to keep you in our thoughts and our prayers. And we're going to keep reporting every week your progress. And uh, if there's anything you need to get out, you've got my telephone number. We'll get you back up on here. And uh, like I said, we're just we're, you're in our thoughts and our prayers. And we're just uh, unbelievably proud of the effort you're making. And uh, God bless you for what you're doing. Any last comments before we finish up? Yeah, just one, man. You're a good man. And like ever since I've known you, I've always thought that, you know, the way you come across and the way you lead your life, that you're a good man. And I appreciate uh, you allowing me on this morning. Well, thank you very much. And uh, God bless you, Brett. Uh, good running today. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. Take yeah, care. stay safe. Yeah, absolutely. God bless. All right. Bye-bye. More to come here on Valor Radio on the WYSL stations. Thanks for joining us. You know, I get that. That music gotta be that will keep you alive. The kids are rock and rolling from eight to twenty-five. I don't want hang up my rock and roll shoes. From Niagara Falls to the Adirondacks, and from Canada to Pennsylvania, you're listening to Valor Radio. Welcome back in here to Valor Radio. The Colonel and the Captain—they uh, are all set for segment two. Thanks, Robert. Steve, uh, Robert, I just got to say, just finish up talking about Brett. This is just an amazing commitment. This is, he's done some pretty spectacular things in the past, but this is, you know, it's Herculean. I I just, I don't know how else to describe that. First of all, to sit down and say, to commit to do something like this, and then now to actually go out and try to do it. Um, I know when you when you stand up and you start feeling a little pain of age um as it's affecting us we're a little older than he is he's in his mid 50s um but for the last you know since i've known about this thing every time i'm getting up and starting to feel sorry cuz uh my hip hurts or my knees hurt or something else and i'm just thinking about this guy and what he's doing and folks he's doing it for a reason um and it's to raise money for uh Officer Tony Mazurkowitz. And once again, you can go to the Valor Radio page uh, on Facebook, and there's a link there where you can uh, donate. Um, everything's going to it. He, he's worked out donations to cover the expense of everything he's doing, and now uh, every penny that goes into this is going to go to uh, the Mazurkowitz family. Money isn't going to make up for the loss they've suffered, but uh, once again, to take some stress off of them and know that they at least – it's one part of their life they don't have to worry about. Um, so I'd ask you to go sign up, go buy a shirt. <clears throat> and you know what? On June 11th, we're going to keep talking about this till June 11th. Um, plan on being at the Public Safety Building, uh, Hall of Justice, uh, to honor uh, the memory of Tony Mazurkowitz and the other officers and deputies that have uh, died in the line of duty in our community. Um, so we'll move on from that. Steve... Uh, you sent me a little note this week, and um, you you didn't sound too happy in it. Oh, you're talking about the one about the metals? No, about the aircraft carrier. Oh, the carriers. Oh, I, so actually, I'm, I'm trying to understand. I'm very upset about that. I'm, I'm trying to understand. I know. I know how important ships, you know, particular ships are to people that have served on ships. 
It, it, it's something I can't. You're a carrier guy. And you're a carrier guy. Yeah. And there's nothing comparable in the Army like that. I mean, when people are no. linked to their ship, they're inextricably yeah. you know, linked to that ship for the rest of their life when they've served on it. And to see, so is your consternation about these ships being decommissioned? Let's tell people well, what's going on, yeah, or there, is it about... There's there's a report out, that, and it makes sense to me that the administration is, is uh, pushing DOD hard to uh, decommission two nuclear-powered carriers, both Nimitz-class carriers, USS Chester Nimitz and the USS Eisenhower. They're both uh, in sequence... 68 and 69 in, in the grand scheme of things for carriers. And they're old carriers, don't get me wrong. They they, they date back to the mid-70s, late-70s. Um, but they are still functional, completely functional, and uh, serviceable. And the only question is how much you want to spend to extend the service life of the platform. And I would argue that we are not in a position to be decommissioning nuclear carriers. Especially when we're facing a threat of China and Russia uh, on the high seas right now. And the threat's not getting any better. It's not getting any easier. And we need to figure out a way to keep those ships in the inventory. And right now they're talking about just taking them out. So if I understand, tell me if I'm wrong on these numbers. Right now the uh, United States Navy has 12 carriers. Uh, I've heard 11. 11. Uh, yeah, 11. Okay. Yeah. And at any given time, half of them are out of service or No, not quite. I'd say probably two, of, two or three of them are undergoing what they call SLEP, service-like extension policy or program, and or uh, they're um, you know in the process of maybe decommissioning one of them because you know they, in the last couple of years, we've gotten rid of quite a few. We've gotten rid of all the, um, the uh, uh, Kitty Hawk class. Are, are you know we're are, are basically in the in boneyards and being cut up or be making museums out of them. The uh, the John F. Kennedy is taken out of the inventory and and now they're building another John F. Kennedy, which is the Gerald Ford class carrier, which is a, a beautiful platform, but it's a Taj Mahal. It's a very expensive platform, and um, the the the, um, the whole concept of carriers is changing because. In, in the back in the seventies, they they uh, built carriers to have uh, uh, steam catapults, and the steam catapults are incredibly reliable and can operate in all kinds of environments. And even if the the, the ship drops the load electrically, you know the steam catapults in many cases, you know, using just auxiliary power or or you know on, on their own because they're steam, they can keep uh, functioning and uh, launch an aircraft if they so have just to. So people understand when you're talking about the steam catapults, they help an aircraft get up to a speed where it can take off off this very short runway, which is an aircraft right. carrier, right? Right. And, so, and, and the new the new carriers have electromagnetic launch system. Right, right. Which is, you know, when there is, it's like this whole thing with electric cars right now. They're really banking on electricity. But if, there's, if you've ever been on a carrier, there's nothing more, no more powerless feeling that you have than when the ship drops the load in the middle of the ocean. And we've done that. On Coral Sea, my ship was 40-something years old. And in the, uh, off the Virginia Capes op area or Jacksonville op area, we just uh, all of a sudden lost power. And for days, we just drifted out in the middle of the ocean, couldn't do anything. And it was hot. It was nasty. We didn't know what to do with ourselves. We, we, we were operating in a, a really weird environment where we really couldn't do a whole lot.
And I know when the first uh, carrier came out with the uh, electronic or electric catapult, <clears throat> it was a challenge. They had obviously fielding a new device. Um, right. But they had a lot of problems with it. But they, they've worked those out now, I assume. I, I believe so. But they've also had other problems. They have problems with the water. Remember when they talked yes. about the carryover yes. and the, sure. with the JP5 and the water? I mean, they're they're drinking basically unsafe water uh, unless they got that fixed, which I hope they did. Um, and then there's all kinds of other uh, problems. They just loaded ammunition aboard, apparently. So that's an indication that they're moving along on the Ford class. Last year, I think they did a, a, an explosion test where they set up charges not too far from the the hull to test the the pressure of the hull and apparently it got through with flying colors but i worry about um you know all the money that they're spending on that platform so so where is the navy going though i mean in in the big navy picture do you have an idea um yes they're going they're going to uh they they want bigger platforms and more of them which means they have to get rid of the old ones They're, they're they're almost um a panic in a panic to get rid of older ships because they can't afford to keep the old ones and get the new ones. So they're 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 going to mortgage their uh, you know their 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 future, and they got to get rid of the old ones. And they're they're doing it quickly. They're divesting themselves of the uh, the littoral combat ships, which turn out to be a real uh, pig. I mean, those, those things are are they're getting rid of them. And they're scrapping them entirely. And then uh, once they do that, um, you know, they're also scrapping the the uh, Oliver Hazard Perry class frigates, which are from you know 1970s, uh, early 80s vintage. But those are also serviceable ships. They they were in the reserve fleet for years, but they're getting rid of them now. And when when, when you you know you can't send a a task force if you don't have one. Right. So right now the are, are the Navy's trying to have a 485 ship. <laughs> Navy. <laughs> Don't even. You got to be kidding me. Well, that's the number in the, the, the article the, 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 you 373. 373 was was what Mike my fleet is not in crisis Gilday says. Uh-huh. 373. But the 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 numbers don't add up. He he's not even going to get get the 350 probably at the okay. rate he's going. All right. So so what are the new platforms that they're going to replace these older ships with? Do we know or yeah well, well we, we we know about the Ford class which is um, it's enormous they got, got it's a big ship you can put a lot of aircraft on that ship but the other thing too is it's a carrier right carrier you also have to put aircraft on the carrier I mean in in my day you could you could get a squadron of F A eighteens or A sixes or E uh, two uh, Hawkeyes but these new carriers are enormous. We don't even have enough aircraft to man them, I don't think. I mean, they're, they're talking about the new generation of fighter. Those things are enormously expensive. So it's not like we're going to have a bunch of aircraft just crowded on the flight deck waiting to, to launch flight ops. I, I'd like to see how we're going to staff those things first. But it, other than and bodies. We also need sailors, which, you know, right now they're not meeting their goal. So, so Steve, um, other than aircraft carriers, is the Navy going another way? Are they doing drone ships? Are they doing anything yes, they that are. we're not talking about? Well, that- they're, no, they're talking about it, unfortunately. It, that's part of the problem. They shouldn't be talking about it, but they are. And Mike Gilday wants to, to do, a, a uh, you know, the like the pilotless ships. He wants to – unmanned ships are the thing of the future with Gilday. He wants uh, – 
he wants uh, 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 by 2040, he wants 40 percent of the fleet to be unmanned. You gotta be kidding! 40 percent. That's only you know. So how many years is that from now? It's right. not a long time. So just let me. So we we see these giant freighters on the ocean. Yeah. And tanker, super tankers. Giant super tankers. Yeah, right. Well, you know, it's bigger, bigger than an aircraft carrier. Right. And they've got a crew of eight. Well, they're not going to go to automation for uh, for aircraft carriers. I can no, tell I you know right they're now. not going to do that for But I'm saying, so <clears throat> we have a, a sample of ships, these giant ships that are so automated that it doesn't take 5,000 people like it does on an aircraft carrier mm-hmm. to move a ship from point A to point B safely, you know, with a crew of eight with the automation and the engines and everything else. So that part of it, but if they're ships of war... What are we going to have people sitting in air conditioning next to the officer's club with a joystick? You uh, wonder. You well, know. I go back to the, for the the first time I ever got to see a uh, Oliver Hazard Perry-class destroyer up close. And I walked up on the bridge, and I expected to see a big, you know, Lee Helm with a big binnacle and a, a, a ship's wheel and a, you know, a rudder angle indicator. And all I saw was a dial. In a coffee cup holder next to it. Oh, my Lord. All right, we're going to take a break here on Valor Radio. More when we come back. Your go-to for standard of specialized business insurance coverage. MGM Associates of Rochester, now serving the region and beyond in New York. Since 1984, MGM has provided leading coverage from a wide range of carriers. Not only home, condo, boat, motorcycle, and auto, but also specialized policies for all types of businesses, including nonprofits and law firms, livery insurance, property insurance, and bonds for all needs. MGM Associates of Rochester provides auto, workers' comp, health care, and liability coverage. Choose from virtual appointments or good old in-office, in-person consults by appointment at our Penfield office. Five-time consecutive winner of the National Best Practices Award, MGM is proud to support veterans groups. For your personal business, home, or professional insurance needs, meet the experienced staff at MGM Associates. Locally and proudly owned at 1745 Penfield Road in Penfield, 381-7008 or mgminsure.com. An associate of Ontario Insurance Company, 28 Canandaigua Street in Shortsville. Hi, I'm Alan Ginsberg of the A.M. Ginsberg Advisory Group, LLC. I know a lot of you have heard enough of my ad regarding business continuation. We started this campaign in September 2020, and I want you to know the response has just been tremendous. The best part is that we're seeing the results of our efforts. Business owners who have been procrastinating on how to make sure their business continues on a successful path are starting to make the changes that are needed. Whether it be talking to their children, key employees, or favorite competitors, they are starting to get things done making sure that their life's work doesn't just go by the wayside. Give us a call at 585-377-4720. We'll sit down and talk, find out what your business and family goals are. That's 585-377-4720. Thank you. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. AM Ginsburg Advisory Group and the Securities America companies are separate entities. As a veteran of the United States military, I can finally get the opportunity to enjoy special events, things that we couldn't afford, thanks to Vet Ticks. 
every empty seat at a concert, a game, or a play is a missed opportunity to say thanks to a veteran and service member. We can give our veterans a special event where they, too, can create their own cherished memories. Visit VetTix.org. Find out how you can make a difference in a veteran's life. You're listening to Fallow Radio with Colonel Paul Simonelli. All right, we are back in here with the Colonel, the Captain, as we resume with this edition of Valor Radio. Thanks, Robert. So, um, we've been hearing some unbelievably spectacular numbers of our number of artillery rounds that are being fired in the Ukraine. Um, we're, we're just hearing, you know, ridiculous numbers, and I... I you know, you. I've I've said this all the time for people who serve on the ground. The field artillery guys and gals are cr- absolutely critical to any mission. They consider themselves the king of battle. Um, that's sort of the motto for field artillery. Uh, but th- there's always I always felt like there's such constraints, and what you have to jump through hoops to get many times to get you know indirect fire support from artillery. And that's because it is such a critical commodity that um, you really have to justify a mission in order to use those rounds. And people have to probably don't have much of an understanding. There's only two places in the United States that make 155, 155 millimeter rounds. And um, U.S. law requires that we we're able to make any ammunition we use here in the United States. But... You know, they're not ramped up for wartime. And so for the last, you know, 20-some-odd years, one of the first, I think I mentioned this before, while I was in Afghanistan and other places, one of the first uh, items that was reported every morning to the commander were how many rounds were on the ground in Afghanistan, you know, in different regions of Afghanistan, because it is such a critical, it's right up at the very front of his reporting. You know, commander needs to know, because uh, that could affect the ability to complete or carry out operations. Um, hmm. and, and so getting stuff made, getting it to the place it needs to be is, is always, you know, an issue. Well, we've got two companies, one of them being the Scranton army ammunition plant that, uh, can comfortably make, <clears throat> um, you know, can comfortably make about 14,000 rounds a month, uh, given, and this factory's over a hundred years old. I mean, you know. It, it's not rocket science what they're doing, but uh, um, now we're the army is expecting to go from a production of fourteen thousand a month, which doesn't even come close to a week of what's being used in the Ukraine. Um, what was the number they said they want to get up to by? They want to get up to eighty five thousand per month. So they want to raise production from fourteen thousand up to eighty five thousand per month. And that's all going to Ukraine? Well, no. Well, listen, we've got stores on the ground. You know, obviously the Army buys ammo. You can keep the stuff almost indefinitely. Um, but they've they've spent about, uh, you know, and I don't know what the total. $35 billion we've provided in uh, assistance yeah. to Ukraine military. Yeah. $35 billion. So that's a lot of, that's, a, that's um, we've already given the Ukraine $1.5 million, 155 millimeter isn't, rounds. Isn't that amazing? So in a year they've used a hundred and uh, one point five million. So if you do the arithmetic on that, 
you know, they're going through, uh, what, 120, 130,000 rounds a month, which means... That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you, you said they were stingy about using them in the Army? Right, right. Um, I guess not anymore. So that's 3,000 a day. I don't know that I've ever been any place other than, like, when we're getting ready to go into Iraq and Desert Storm or something. You just never hear about 3,000 rounds getting fired a day for the last year. Um, that's insane. It's an insane. Now, it's probably what's holding off the Russians. It's probably one of the few things that's holding off the Russians um, is indirect fire. We we were seeing very early on in the Ukraine some horrible defeats. Uh, ill-prepared Russia coming across the border thought they were going to have free run of the country, and the you know the indirect fire was critical to uh, keeping this. You, you mentioned that uh, there's laws that require that they be made and the the bodies be made in the U.S. Well, any ammunition that we use. Uh-huh. In our military, there has to be a production capacity in the uh-huh. United States. I wonder why they're talking to Canada about can- make the Canadians making uh, projectile bodies. Uh, they're, they're also well, talking they're saying, about They're not Texas. saying you can't buy it someplace else. They're just saying you have to have that capacity at home also. Okay. So I know, I think I've mentioned this before. When I first went in the Army in 1981, we had let our 45 caliber ammo contract lapse. And there was no forty-five caliber ammo, which was the main sidearm <laughs> in the military at the time. Really? And all of a sudden, when we went, when it was time to qualify, we're opening these boxes of Israeli forty-five caliber wow. ammo. So it's a logistics, obviously, yeah, yeah. but we're talking one point five million rounds. So, Bob, you do the arithmetic. I I can't even do the arithmetic, even if they get up to. This production that they say they want to get up to. What did I say they wanted to get up to? Eighty five thousand. Eighty five thousand a month. From fourteen thousand now? From four but forget about that. But if they're using if Ukraine is using one point five million a year, we're still at a net we're still not rebuilding our own stocks. We're right. still not right. You know, because don't forget, we have to train. Every every gun crew in the United States Army has to train periodically. So anyway, um we are woefully Inadequate in that in that department yeah. too. We we need to make we need some reserve of, uh, of of projectiles, stockpiles of them. We don't have them. Yeah. So um, anyway, just something we're going to keep an eye on. I know we keep we keep talking about ammo, but logistics drive everything that happens for the military, and and without it, um, everything comes to a standstill. There's a safety issue with the Wilkes-Barre and the Scranton plant right that if something happens that whole town is going to go up and, right. they, and they actually mentioned that. that 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 is something i did not like hearing yeah so i wanted to hit one other story our we used to do a segment steve pretty regularly crime doesn't pay no um we have a south carolina attorney who has built 31 million dollars in a uh. fraud scheme targeting veterans and elderly faces up to five years in prison after pleading guilty this week um got another bad attorney I told you I don't like attorneys. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> she's, she's really evil, too. I, yeah, I have that, to believe. Yeah, that is pure evil to do something like that. Um, the scheme offered veterans cash in exchange for temporary rights to their pensions and disability payments, uh, usually until their loans were repaid with interest. So obviously you get behind that. So she gives you a, a pot of money today, and as long as you're alive, you're paying her back and you're – your Social Security and your, your VA benefits, compensation, and other things are going to her. 55-year-old woman. Nice uh, nice uh, person. Yeah. What 
Man, there's got to be a special place in hell there for folks like be. that. Has yeah, to be. Yeah. yeah. Hate to see that. Maybe we maybe we should send her over to the Ukraine and help them help her uh, move artillery shells around. Maybe that should be her punishment. I like that idea. Or send her to the factory in Scranton, PA, and put her on on, on the line there. Um, I just this is just you hear about people doing stuff like this and it boggles the mind. Yeah, I I can't understand five years for this. She's getting five years. For $31 million, how many people's lives were affected? She was doing this on a national basis, advertising. Terrible. And um, boy, oh boy. Yeah. So, well, I, I pray for your soul. That's all I'm going to say. I'm hearing some music here. Steve, thanks for uh, being here this week. Robert, thank you as always for steering the ship. We'll see you next week on Valor Radio. Let's keep our soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, coasties, guardians, and all those serving by their sides in your thoughts and in your prayers. See you next week on Valor Radio. I'm bright and early. I'm all business in my suit. Yeah, I'm dressed up for success. From my head down to my boots. I don't do it for the money. There's bills that I can't pay. I don't do it for the glory. I just do it anyway. 